Welcome to the Pints and Polishing Podcast, the most influential and listened to podcast in auto detailing. Welcome to the community. Hi, welcome to the Pints and Polishing Podcast. I'm Marshall. That's Nick. You can find us at the HyperClean Specialist Group on Facebook. Best way to interact there. Nick, I'm diving into a fat tire. Not a flat tire, but a fat tire. That's uh, big out here. Yeah. Fat tire from New Belgium. Uh, actually, this uh, this beer holds a little. It's it's actually pretty interesting. So established in 1991, but I remember in high school. So my high school baseball team and football team, we would take trips. We would go down because a lot of people in our conference were down in Texas. We'd go to Dallas, sometimes Houston. And as a <laughs> as a freshman walking into uh, the coach's room for one of those meetings, and you saw nothing but fat tires all around the room. <laughs> oh, what's that? <laughs> right like hey. i hadn't seen that beer before and had to be uh, working with you drinking fat tires you're like we've had enough of this marshall kid <laughs> so it's a cool beer and it's a good beer and anybody up over by fort collins recommended to go to the brewery and have one so all right man buying and selling what are you doing i think i've been on a streak of buying i gotta sell this week so Marty, as you know, we solve all the world's problems here and buy and sell. Uh, two idiots on a podcast uh, solving everyone's issues. I, when did this dog thing get out of control? Yesterday. I mean, people have people. So I had to go pick up something from the store for my family. Lady is walking around a dog in the store. Brutal. Okay. A, what goes through your head when you go, you know what's great with raw meat? Let me have my dog with me because that's what people want to do. I'm pretty sure that's how pandemics start. But anyway, here's where we're at. I don't think anything of it. I got my daughter with me. I I just do what I'm sure most people do. And I'm going to make a rule here. If your dog is 50 pounds or less, that's a cat. It's not a dog. Okay. Well, 50? Let's be done. Okay. Let's be done. Get a dog or get a cat. One or the other. Okay. I think my female weighs, and you're talking to a dog person. I think my female weighs 130, 140 pounds. My male weighs like 85. I love dogs. Have a, I've had dogs my whole life. So anyway, the dog thing at the store is bizarre when you see it. Here's what next is bizarre. The lady puts them down. A guy trips over the dog. And it just starts a melee. They're going at each other. They're they're they just hell yeah. You just can't believe what you're seeing. Okay. Now, I know that there's a certain segment of dog people that probably need to are the ones that need to hear this. Nobody likes your dog but you. Okay. They don't care about your dog. They don't want to see your dog, and especially don't want it around raw food at the grocery store. I don't even know how it's allowed. Do you? We went from, I'm all in on the service dog, okay? There's people that need real, true service dogs. That's kind of how we all agreed on this thing. And now it's a idiotic person bringing it around raw beef, raw chicken. How do we get here? Uh, dude, the other day I was at, uh, where were we? we were getting some shirts. We were at uh, Dick's. And checking out, and I see something in my my side peripheral that makes me go, whoa, like, 
I thought it was a wolf of all things, right? Like I, and then you go, there's no wolf in Tulsa. And I look <laughs> around and this, they're gigantic dog walking into dicks. And as a dog person myself, I don't really care, but I'm just like, who the hell thinks that that's appropriate to bring their fucking dog into dicks. And this, it's a huge dog. Yeah. And here, here's what you get into dogs are going to get sideways or do something. And there's going to be an altercation. And there always is airplanes. I, I think pretty much stepped in and said, Hey, we're kind of done with this. Right. I mean, I think they allow some dogs and they're not really, they don't really have it black and white yet, but they had to step in because people were like bringing peacocks on the plane and all kinds of shit. How do we end up here? Like, here's how it went. And how I grew up with dogs. It's a dog, right? Leave your dog at home, pet your dog at home, let it out in the backyard at home, play with it at home. When did it become that I needed my dog with me everywhere? It's a goddamn dog. Like, I don't get what I'm watching here. So these people, Marty, for everybody listening, I can't explain how into it these two people got. And now you're in a weird situation that there's a woman being yelled at by a man. And so if you're just an onlooker that sees it secondarily, you think this guy's being the clown, right? Because when you just see a man yelling at a woman, you're like, wow, what an animal. Well, no, it was her animal that caused this behavior. And so I look around and I go, there's no staff, right? The people behind the butcher counter, they're not coming out from behind that counter. They're not going to get involved in this. If this had been two guys and tempers were to flare, where does this go? And like, Not good. Not again, good. leave your dog at home. That, and when we get the dog fights inside oh, of the stores, because the dog people like, and the people that take the shits. Remember that one about the lady who's let her dog take a shit in the middle of the mall. Remember that? Yeah. That story it's like, 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 where crazy. do you think this ends? <laughs> you know what I mean? And it's like, are we not decent human beings to understand where a dog is supposed to be and not supposed to be? You're not supposed to, I mean, does anybody want a dog around their meat, around their food, around, I mean, do you want that? I don't want it. It's like the craziest thing that you, and and you see it all the time. It's not like it's an isolated incident anymore. Well, it's true. All right. I'm buying no selling for me. I'm buying because I heard a pretty cool story. And so I am buying free photos. That's what I'm buying. I'm buying free photos. Sounds strange. Why would you buy some of this free? I'm buying the idea that the new CEO, well, returning CEO back to Disney, what is one of his big moves coming out? Well, he's now giving away the free photos that they used to charge $8 for on every single ride that you would go around on. Who hasn't gone down those rides and loved those photos? Me, right? Everybody loves them. And not everybody loves that $8 charge. And what's interesting, this is a public traded company that is now giving away millions of dollars. And these $8 at a pop is going to affect it. But you also have a company that is massively customer centric. And they think and their gamble, I guess I wasn't in the boardroom, but their gamble, I guess, is they're going to give away those photos. And how many more people are going to go share their experience because they yeah. were had a free photo or had a link for a free photo, some way that they could put out that they were there. Because what's the number one thing that people love to do while they're at Disney World or Disneyland is tell everybody else that they're at Disney World or Disneyland. Well, Facebook tells you that in spades, right? I mean, <laughs> people love telling you what they're doing. Hey, I'm out to eat. Hey, 
you know, all that kind of stuff. I mean, here's the interesting thing. Bob Iger comes back, basically undermines the CEO that replaced him. How about you just lower the tickets from $8 billion to six and, and then everybody would pay $8 for the photo. It's like, but what a, what a brilliant idea, right? I'm giving something back to you. I know a family that just went to, to Disney last week, he started telling me the prices in California. And I'm like, I don't even know how people afford to go there on the average, but people love that place. And so it is a great, you know, look, we talk about this inside of, of uh, some behind the scenes, hyper clean stuff. So share it here. You know, if you're a detailer in a winter area or times are slow or whatever, one of the great things you can do is give away like an educational class of, of how to, how to wash a car, bring people into your shop, buy some donuts and coffee and, you know, bring people into your orbit with something that's quote unquote free, but it gets people into your orbit. And I think that's kind of the point of this, right? You're talking about Disney is now giving away something that's going to promote to other people. Hey, you can come here and get that. Hey, you can come and have this experience too. So, I mean, we see it in all facets of business and uh, you know, like I said, I don't know why they just don't lower the tickets so everybody could go, but here we are and they're giving away a free photo and they look like, Hey, look at this great thing they're doing. Great piece of advice that maybe some people might've miss miss overheard or, or didn't hear. So we talk about people that hear, <laughs> that hear, but don't listen. Let's say that one more time because there's a lot of people in the Northeast. We've said it. Other people say there's a lot of people, right? People are closing or it's closed or it's cold, right? I got time on my hand. This is something perfect for somebody to start to plan out getting in touch with people, setting it up and having car clubs, car shows, something I did, something you talked about. So say that one more time, because this is very key for many people that will grow in 23 of setting that up. Yeah. I mean, set up like little clinics, you know, this is, this is the old uh, Barry McGuire playbook for those that don't know. I mean, all of his sales reps had to go around to, to distributors in every city and once a month, they had to put on an informational class, interior detailing, how to wash your car, uh, how to use a DA polisher, you know, all those kinds of things. And what it did is it brought a lot of people into their orbit. The same can be said for a detailing business. It's just a way to get people around your business, talking about your business, frequenting being at your business. And therefore, you can talk about services. You can talk about what you do. You can talk about maybe products you sell. You can do all that kind of stuff by quote unquote, giving away free information, which by the way, for most of us detailers, explaining how to wash a car is more fun than it is work, right? You want to share your processes and procedures, and this is the best way we found to do something. And so if you did that twice a month every, on Saturday mornings from you know 8 a.m. to 10 a.m., uh, I think you'd find a lot of benefit in it. And we certainly find that a lot of guys do have benefit that are doing that. All right. One of my favorite weekends happened this past weekend, and that's the start of the playoffs, right? You really now get down to what hopefully should be some of the best football, but wow. Holy shit. Chargers. What happened? I turned the game off. I was pumped. I like the chargers and the way they're growing. I like what they're doing. I like the quarterback. I like a lot of things that they're doing and then just completely off the charts for, for the whole second half. But I really want to know, what do you think Brady's last game tonight? Does he get closed out by, uh, by the Cowboys or I, does I have Dak a question. Go? Should somebody, should, should somebody that has a losing record be in playoffs? I mean, come on. We, we've just gotten to a place where we just reward mediocrity at this point. I mean, even 
the, the, the chargers thing happens because now you have so many teams in the playoffs, right? I mean, that's what it comes down to. Brandon Staley, the coach of the chargers has, is not a, a guy that very many people who follow the sport professionally, you know, that's their job, have a lot of belief in, right? And he kind of showed it again. Here we go. How do you blow a 27? I mean, you could just run the ball and and win that game. And there was all kinds of questions. But look, man, you let bad teams in the playoffs, which by expanding the playoffs, that's what every sport has done. NBA, NHL, football, baseball, they've let more teams in because people are more interested in the playoffs. It's been a money grab. And so you get a lot of bad teams in the playoffs. Here's where I think if the Cowboys can't beat an eight, and nine team, you got a big problem with Dak Prescott. That's what I think. Because at this point in time, this, this team, this Buccaneers team is not a good football team. And they, they limped in, they, they, they kind of, you know, did what they had to do. They play in one of the weakest divisions in sports. Here you go. I mean, it should be Tom Brady's last ride, but my understanding is he's not retiring. I mean, that'd be crazy. Hopefully. Yeah. I, I wish him all the best and hopefully he just fades on out, but I, if he wants to come back next year, I'll, I'll put I mean, my look, jersey every, back every on. Every boxer, every great yeah. boxer goes out this way, right? They're they're yeah. just gonna die on their sword and they're gonna fight till they can't fight anymore. And maybe that's what you'll see with him. I hope he doesn't bread farve it. But so well, the other fun things about this weekend, though, I you know, getting to celebrate a little birthday, having a birthday party, great times. Always interesting conversations. Those of you that have kids as you host a birthday party, I'm typically the guy that lets everybody go, hey, listen, I don't like to stick around to birthday parties. Go ahead. That's how what's funny is the amount of people that are like, Oh, thanks. I'm hung over. Like I'm out of here. Right. Like, but yeah. some people like to hang out. Some people like, to, so you, you start shooting the shit with a couple of people. What is fine. Fascinating is maybe the emergence of a new car guy. There's an emergence of a new car guy definitely happening. And it's gotta be the e-car guy. Right. It's, it's even beyond Tesla. Right. You and I talked about it. You you've you've claimed that the Tesla guys out there and we all get it. But there's almost an emergence of just an e-car guy, people that are so excited. I They believe the technology's there. They believe that they're going to press a button and just the car's going to drive around. No problems at all. And they are excited. Yeah, the, they're the believers more than an e-car. They're believers in autonomous vehicles. And let's be clear, you can listen, find these podcasts where people who ran the New Jersey DOT and all these really important transportation people that are like, yeah, we're not close. Uh, we're not close on autonomous vehicles. I've had to tell people in my life that uh, computers are really good at repetitive things. So you could see it as like a loop from Vegas airport to the strip you know, and have a drop-off point or, you know, uh, take you from one side of the convention center to the other with no obstructions that they have to dodge uh, because the, the area is blocked off just to run that route. Uh, but let me be clear about autonom autonomous vehicles. You can do this research yourself. They constantly hit emergency vehicles with their lights on all the time like all the time. It's not once, it's not twice, it's hundreds and thousands of times that these cars just wreck into emergency vehicles with their bright lights flashing and the sirens going and the car doesn't recognize what's happening. Uh, 
you got to understand what computers are good at, what it's not good at. And then you have the insurance piece. If I'm not driving my car and I'm running somebody else's software, who's responsible if something goes wrong? You're in these really murky waters. Will we see it someday? I'm sure we'll get to some autonomous type of vehicle. But what are you going to do with all the people that don't have an autonomous vehicle and they're driving around and they're swerving in and out of traffic? Uh, that That is really not even close to being figured out. All right, but here's really where I think it's going to be an interesting part of that car guy that becomes a an e-car guy is what happens as more and more of these brands over the next years keep putting out nothing but e-cars. What does that car show start to look like? Do now we have segments of the car show for only e-cars and these others? Then let's talk about the, the street cars. What comes down to, we've got street tracks here. We've got, you know, races that go on. And those are fun YouTube videos to watch is Tesla's race. other. But now are we going to have segments of that strictly just watching e-cars race and you don't get to watch the other ones? I think that's going to be an interesting clash as the automotive world continues to change. Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, look, people watch drones racing each other now, right? So... I mean, everything is going to have some type of customer for it. Uh, and there's no doubt that that electric cars, but again, you're starting to even see some pushback from major manufacturers coming out and saying, you know, there's not enough cobalt. There's not the battery technology and the raw materials to for every car to be this way. And everybody's kind of gone along with it. And I think now when push comes to shove, we're going to have some segments that go all, all electric. We're going to have some that don't. I don't, I, that e-car world, and again, I'm a fan. We, we, we've been on an ordering list for one before. I have nothing against electric cars, but I also understand them. I think the weirdest thing that's happening is people are like, well, my Tesla's so great. Dude, there's Tesla boneyards filled with thousands of cars that can't be repaired that have just fried themselves. We had a Porsche Taycan right off the factory floor, fry itself, never to be repaired again. Uh, there's a lot of bugs to work out. But electric cars are fast, they're fun, they're quiet, they're cool to drive because, you know, you don't realize how much noise your car has and how relaxing it is to drive an electric car. There's no reason to be either or, but you're exactly right. Some people are just all in on electric cars and that's going to be their stamp and, you know, that's what they're going to do. The And I'm, I'm curious from everybody inside of the community as more and more of those inside of our community go out to the car shows and are out working not only our distributors, but also our wholesalers and just people that like to use our products that attend car shows, right? Like it is going to be very interesting to see as they comment over the years of how that begins to take over car shows and that type of stuff. I'm curious also, this is what I think would be fascinating, is that journey into repairing, right? Just just repaired and replaced a fuel pump inside the truck. Those are fun, right? To deal with. You got to pull down a lot of stuff, apparently, right? Yeah. Pull down things and do stuff. I didn't do the work, but the mechanic was letting me know everything that he did. Oh, had yeah. a bunch of bad gas, right? Which uh, was a big problem that was going on. And he, he said, I had a lot of junk in my tank. So it's been great driving back out and got a good, easy repair, quick and easy in and out. What's going to be that big thing as people start doing repairs on these? Is it just the battery? 
Well, yeah, it's, it's, it's everything. It's the interface, it's the electronics with the battery, but Hummer had this whole situation happen. They had like two or three bad connections in the battery cells and it created a huge headache for people that paid 125, 150,000 for the new Hummer. Uh, the bugs are not worked out. I always say you don't want to be the guinea pig. I wouldn't have been the first person to order a Hummer. Uh, it's great if you have a bunch of money, but I saw a guy post a video and he goes, Oh, I'm, I'm on, I'm up in my, uh, winter house. We're going skiing. Let me plug in my new Hummer, plugged it into the wall, plugged it into the car. It was Sunday morning. He goes, it'll be fully charged by Friday. And he like laughed in the camera. It's like, look, man, he had fun with it because he understood it, but it's also the re-education of what this stuff really is. If you can't put a fast charger in your house and pay to have it wired up, electric cars are just not that great for daily driving unless you have a, an ability to charge them uh, consistently. And look, when batteries go wrong, you're not talking about a fuel pump that maybe is 500, 700, 1500. You're talking about a $40,000 problem. And let me tell you what nobody's in a hurry to replace is an entire battery system. So that's going to be interesting for all of those that are pissed off about how dealerships handle things. Think about when it goes from a $500 fuel pump to a $12,000 battery cell, how quickly do you think those dealerships are going to be on top of that warranty work? Mm. I don't know that they're going to be on it too quick. It's going to create some problems right there. Let me tell you about that. All right. So let's dive into a question that come out of the hyperclean specialist group. Great little question from, from Cody, and it's about maintenance client schedules, right? You know, how do you schedule? How do you do this? What are you supposed to do? Well, it's a very interesting question that I'm glad that he asked. You and I have a lot of history in maintenance, a lot of history. Is that really the question that should be asked? Or is there maybe something more in the industry that we should dive a little bit deeper into? Yeah, I mean, this is the way that I think about it. You know, I have a a car that I've talked about on the Saturday episodes that basically only gets limited drive time on the weekends. Within two weeks of driving that just on the weekends, that car is not well-maintained. It needs a freshening up. It needs to be cleaned up. The wheels need to be cleaned, you know, need to clean the interior, you know, vacuum a little bit, wipe down the interior. And so the interesting thing is the word maintenance, the way we kind of use it in all these different ways. You know, we have ceramic coating maintenance and that happens annually. And, and I have this maintenance and that maintenance. And I look at it and you got to boil down what your belief system is. If I drive my car four days out of 14 and I can already see that my car has wear and tear on it and I'm not happy with it, how's that going to work for my customers that drive their car every day? So the first thing we got to solve is, you know, what do you believe is maintenance? Because in all my years doing this, I've never seen a well-maintained daily driver that wasn't maintained every week. Well, you know? you're getting in, hold on, Nick, you're getting a little bit away from detailing into, it sounds like car washing. Yeah. I mean, that's, our, our, that, that's, our, that's the big rub for guys. Yeah. Isn't it? It is. It's, it's the, Oh, hold on now. Hold on. Hold on there. Can't be like those guys down the street, the, the scratch matic Yeah. And, and you're right. You're not. Um, what you're doing is you're taking people out of that system and bringing them into a detailer system. If people see the maintenance that we do on our clients on a weekly basis, it's not a car wash. It's way above and beyond 
what a car wash does. You know, we got fine bristle brushes like the one, you know, our detail brushes out of the store and we're going through vents. And so when somebody gets in a car, they're almost getting that new car experience every week. That isn't a car wash. And also, this is the thing that every car owner wants. No car owner basically wakes up and goes, man, I want to buy a, uh, a paint correction and a coating every day, seven days a week. That car owner doesn't exist. But every car owner wants their car to look good. They just don't know how to solve the problem. And so that's what I did for my customers. And again, there were people doing some semblance of what I was doing in this town, of course, but they were all doing it very cheap. They weren't going into the detail that I was going into. So that allowed me to charge more by giving people this ultra detailing experience that doesn't resemble anything like a car wash. And again, we need to say this every time we talk about maintenance. It doesn't mean you can't do paint correction, coatings, PPF, tint, all those different types of things. If you go look at that post, a great shop out of Phoenix, Arizona, who does PPF and five-year coatings and three-year coatings and one-year coatings and paint correction, he had a maintenance plan that he was implementing. And again, I shared before. And said it was extremely profitable. Yeah, extremely profitable. Uh, and that's what people have to hear is, you know, this isn't, I feel like sometimes in detailing, we try to make everything more difficult than it is. We have two types of maintenance packages, weekly and biweekly. We don't have another one, okay, that we sell. And the biweekly people are put on notice right from the beginning. We don't recommend this. Maybe you're one of the people that will fit this. But usually we transition them into weekly because a simple reason. They got a dog that they take everywhere. As we discussed here early on, within two weeks, there's dog hair everywhere. Hey, ma'am, this isn't part of our package. We really, really think you should go on weekly. And the funny thing is, take the dog hair issue that we've all dealt with in detailing. Think about if you're on top of it every week, or you only see it every two weeks, or you only see it every month, the, the difference just in that interior alone, because that dog being in there, I mean, it's night and day. We have plenty of customers that take their dogs everywhere seven days a week. If they're on weekly maintenance, Marty, that dog hair is never a problem for them. The, 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 the massive dirty windows are never a problem for them. And they're never a problem for us to deal with. But you get to two weeks, all of a sudden you're doing a little scrape with uh, your favorite dog hair tool. Then by the month, you're doing a lot of scraping and you got air and you got all this other, and you go, if we just look at this logically for somebody that drives their car seven days a week, how many of us have a car in great shape 14 days after driving, after it's cleaned and driving it for 14 days straight? You've been in this part of the business. You, you, know, you know what I'm talking about. And so honestly, we need to work this from a common sense angle, not try to make it more difficult than it is. Well, and one of the things that I think most people try and make too difficult is how do I set it up? And Listen, I, I, I want to speak for a moment on something that everybody will be able to look around their town and see. You'll be able to see car washes, right? And you'll see a journey of the car wash industry very similar to the journey that we're seeing inside of detailing. And I want to post this picture for everybody and let them visually see it in their town. You're going to see the car washes that have the little spray off, right? 
We call those self-serve. You're also going to see maybe, or you might have seen in the past, this big giant thing that had a lot of people around. It was called a full service car wash. But the big massive trend over the past 10 plus years, and you guys have all seen it in your town, is a tunnel car wash that is express, right? They only touch the outside. They give you, this is basically the Disney approach. We're going to give you the vacuum so that we can wash your car for you, right? This little journey of what the, the car wash industry have done would be a mirror image of a little bit of the way detailing industry is also going as we see many, many more people in the industry starting to pull in, starting to really dive into wanting to get into more maintenance, but confused onto why and how. The first big thing that I would recommend, and I'll, you know, dive into yours is make sure you get your schedule done right. I was recently with my wife as she was trying to set up a lady that came in out of California, new house, she's quoting up, putting into house cleaning. That house cleaning should be done every week, as sure as most of everybody here that listens, at least touches something and cleans something in their house weekly. If you only clean your house once a month, you see the results of cleaning your house once a month, right? Exactly. So the speed and necessity of cleaning your car weekly should be done. But then the detailer that's going to go around and do it, I think a big struggle that they have when they're trying to put together maintenance for themselves is actually getting the person right in their schedule, right? I had to work with my wife on, okay, if you're going to take on this customer, we're a bit out here, which was multiple other people's issue. Hey, I, I, I'd love to do some more maintenance, but I, I got to drive this far and I got to go do this. And how am I supposed to do maintenance when I, I've got all this, right? A big issue is going to be how to set up your schedule so you're not having to drive so far around. Yep. If you can alleviate your drive, your window time to the minimalist, you will have your greatest success. What's one little tip for you, Nick, as you set up uh, people? What, what's your way of, of growing well, the maintenance? I think, first of all, you need to understand what the beginning is going to look like is not what the middle and the end is going to look like. I certainly did my share of driving at the beginning. You did your share of driving. Then what you did is you, you, you worked your tail off, door hangers, talking to neighbors. You tried to build that neighborhood into a route. Okay, or the surrounding five neighborhoods in that area into a route. So every Monday, I go to north part of Tulsa in this area and this this couple zip codes or one zip code, however it's set up there. And then you drive that area. And on Tuesday, I developed a route in this part of Tulsa and that part of Tulsa on Wednesday. And again, that's going to take time. And you are going to be eating some windshield time and a little bit of gas and overhead and wasted time there early on, but very quickly that should go away. And what is quick in business terms? A year is a quick amount of time in a business. So in January one, I may start with one maintenance client. I may have 50 by the time I get to the end of the year and they may be a little bit scattered still. But as I enter my second year, my at the end of my first year, I'm in a better logistical standpoint. It's like Amazon. They send a truck to an area. They want to deliver as many packages to that area as they can in a quick amount of time, then go back and reload and go to your next area. The same is going to happen here. If you look at 
our drive time, we still have some customers where we're driving on the beltway on every day, but they've been with me 10 years. We've made it super efficient. We got stops along the way down to their second stop or down to their, where their car is at the moment. It's not going to be perfect out of the gate, but you got to realize that one year is a very short period of time in your business. And when you stay committed to it, what you're doing is you're building one of the greatest things that ever happens in a business, which is reoccurring revenue. Detailers largely have not solved the issue of reoccurring revenue. This solves that issue. That's why I shared a Washington state company that's getting heavily into express services and they do some of the highest end detailing in their area, in the Seattle area. I shared companies in the Midwest that are now heavily invested. I keep trying to highlight these companies that 10 years into their existence and booming PPF business, they are now saying, uh-oh, let me go into this express and get my money. Why? There's a reoccurring revenue. And when you wake up every morning and you say, or the first of every month, and you say, I already have $10,000 lined up for the month, 20,000, 30,000, 100,000, that is a freedom that very few detailers ever have. And again, it doesn't matter to me whether you want to do this or not. Everyone's going to run their business the same. But I'll point to the biggest YouTube auto detailer. To this day, he still runs his route. He still runs his route. And you look at his videos and they got millions of views and you assume he's making all this money. He's not making enough money to give up his maintenance route. And he's talked about it publicly. He's talked about, he has two hour drive each way to one of his maintenance clients that he still makes today. So at some point, we got to start changing the conversation to something that brings in reoccurring revenue and how you and I grew up in the business. Reoccurring revenue used to be dealership accounts, right? There's many people that, that don't want to go into dealership world. Don't blame you. But that was the original way detailing was set up to bring in reoccurring revenue. As the detailer went away from the dealership and, and landing those accounts, we never replaced the reoccurring revenue. Now we have an easy way to do it. Do some maintenance. Yeah. All right. Another interesting post out of specialist group. And listen, I think this is going to be a fun one to chop up back and forth is what about should I be having my business and my detailing business as my hobby? I, it's a very, very interesting question that's going to have a different layers for us to hop into. So part of it I wanted to ask you, because this is a question I've been dealing with myself since I thought about that question. I go, huh, well, what is my hobby? The older I get, the more difficult it is for me to have a hobby. It started out of my divorce with wanting to learn how to barbecue. I realized I didn't really have a hobby and I had a lot of spare time and listen, I worked nonstop. That's what was fun about, you know, being single just meant I could work more, but I realized I needed to do something too. And that's how I started smoking meat, learning how to barbecue, learning how to brew beer. Yep. But then what did I do? I inter I incorporated my hobby into my business and I used my hobby to help grow my business. But should we consider I don't know. So before we get into that, do you have a hobby? I don't think I do right now. 
I don't have a hobby. I've got, I've got business, wife, family. That's a, that's my, I mean, I, I don't have time for a hobby. I don't right now. Yeah. I mean, look, I, I, I have a newborn, so it's taking a backseat. I used to, and, and for a long time, I, I went and did jujitsu. It was a hobby, something I cared about. Uh, you know, I would spar from time to time, those types of things. Um, you know, but look, people run as a hobby you know, people work out as a hobby. People do a lot of things as a hobby. Like you said, uh, you know, on the weekend, you know, smoking a brisket for 24 hours would be considered a hobby to me. Uh, I thought this was an interesting question because I don't think of it that way. I don't think I'm, when I'm making money on something, I think it turns the corner from hobby to business. I mean, call me kind of crazy. I think that's kind of the dividing line. No, when people ask me, Hey, you, this barbecue is really good. Like, Hey, you, 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 you ever thinking about Right, you're gonna think about selling this. You think about well, a little food truck. What about a food truck? Are you kidding me? Yeah, I enjoy doing this. Yeah, yeah, and, and and again, you know, look, we have a lot of people that listen that go online and look at cars all day, and that's a hobby for them. They can say it's not a oh, I just that's just what I yeah, but it's a hobby. You like being, you like reading articles about cars, or you like to see what's going on, or a car you might look to buy. You're always looking online to see if you can find one at a deal. There's a there's a hobbyist mentality to that. You know, if you go out in your garage and you tinker on your car and there's no money at stake, nobody's paying you, you're just doing it because you like to do it. That would be considered a hobby to me. I think you can get into some trouble with this idea of, you know, loving something and, and, you know, I'll never have to work a day in my life. Let me tell you something, dude. I love auto detailing. I work every day of my life. It's it, it still work. Um, it doesn't mean I hate it. I enjoy it, but I have tough days, right? I have days you and I've experienced just with hyperclean where it's like, Jesus, this is work. Doesn't mean we don't love it, but it's also not a hobby. And I think you can get into a little bit of a problem because when you look at things like hobby, maybe you're not going to have your finances in order around that thing you're charging for, or, you know, when things go wrong, you're not going to stand behind your work as much as a guy that takes it seriously as a business. So I, I do look at these things as two separate things. That doesn't mean I can't be persuaded the other way, but I genuinely think for mental health, you should have something that gets you away from auto detailing if you're making money on it. Because you and I have been in a place, I know I have, where all I did was live, eat, and breathe auto detailing and building my business. And I got to an unhealthy place with it where relationships got burned. You know, you know what I mean? So that's kind of the, 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 the angle I see it and not to say that I'm right, but that that's kind of how I, I have to, to look at it. So what makes it an interesting conversation is whether you know, know that there is a right or wrong, except underneath the category of hobby to business, right? I mean, if it's a hobby, it's a hobby. If it's a business, it's a business there. It's pretty cut and dry there, but there's an underlying question though is, well, shouldn't we enjoy our business? Shouldn't we enjoy? We had a conversation recently, you and I, with uh, a detailer and his wife. You could hear him saying he's so passionate about detailing. He loves to detail. Yep. And shouldn't we, right? Like we should love or should we not? Here is the, the flip of that coin. And it, to break down a little bit of what you were saying, if I love to detail, I just enjoy cleaning a car. I'm a, I'm going to keep cleaning this car and I find a little bit more. I'm going to clean it. Cause I just, I like cleaning a car. Next thing I know I've cleaned a lot more than what I was paid to do. 
Ah, it's a business. I got to make sure that I only do well, I, but I love doing it. So I'm just going to do a little bit more. I, I just love doing it. I got to keep going at it. It almost becomes a little bit of, eh, maybe you shouldn't love it so much if you're running it as a business because yep. business is about business. Sure. Business is about money. Business is about time efficiency so that you can make more money so that you can grow. So you, and there's a lot actually that becomes different yeah. inside of a hardcore structure of business versus I really enjoy doing it. Yeah. And I'll, I'll kind of say this. There's a lot of people that have ruined their hobbies by making it a business. And so you took this thing that you loved ever since you were 12 years old and you loved cars and all of a sudden you started working on people's cars for free. That could be detailing mechanics speed stuff doesn't matter. And all of a sudden you, you go and you go, Hey man, you know, when we were young, we loved cars and the guy's 30 years old and he goes, Oh dude, I'm, I sell insurance. I don't even do that stuff anymore. And you talk to him and you go, well, well, I made a business and it took all the fun out of it for me. And you know, I crossed that line. I should have never done that because now I can't even stand to look at a car. And so there, there, there is something interesting about this conversation that I think you want to be cautious of, of, if you truly love taking care of your car and it's a hobby for you and you can go out in your garage and your driveway and you're like, this is the perfect Saturday morning for me. It's amazing when you take that hobby and you start charging people for it, that love quote unquote starts to change. It doesn't mean it's worse. It's different. And I can see it in myself. Um, I used to go out of my garage and tinker a lot. And now I get home and I'm like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not doing that. I'll do that at my shop or I'll do that. You know, have my guys do that or, you know, pay my guys to do this service. I don't want to do on my car. That is a warning that I would say to a lot of people is if this is something you like as a hobby, when you cross over into a business, it changes the game and it may never go back to the way you loved it before. I uh, had high hopes. What about a month ago? I was going to spend a lot of hours on my Jeep. I was going to, right? Like that you said that about going out and take, like, absolutely right. Like I had all kinds of high hopes. I, I did about two doors. It was about all the time I had for like, and like oh, dude. And, and again, when I get to work on a car that I own, that I really love, which I currently have, it's great. But I find myself being efficient. I find myself going as fast as I can because that's ingrained in me through my processes and the way we do things. And there's no, that time where you sit back and you crack a beer and you sit on your stool and you kind of look, that's just kind of gone. That doesn't mean it's bad. Uh, but I'm telling you, there's guys that think they're going to mix their hobby and there's never going to work a day in your life. It's still work, man. And especially as you get up in age, what you're going to realize is you really value the things that you used to love. And you go, damn, I wish I could get back to that. Well, if you've made it a business, there's no going back. I've never watched anybody successfully go back to that genuine love that they used to have. So there's there's a little bit of a trap in a sense that you and I have talked about this and can kind of come out to a little bit of perspective now for some people is there's a trap of if you enjoy doing something, is that the way you should make your money? Because... You don't get away from the way that you make your money. 
the way you make your money feeds the whole rest of your lifestyle, feeds your yeah. family, feeds everything else you want in your life. So should you really be passionate and enjoy so heavily how you make your money? But some people are going to go, yes, you should have passion. You should have passion. But you've also listed some stories of some people that they were so passionate that they just now they can't do it anymore because they made it a business. And I, it is a bit of a trap. It's a massive trap. Can you get out of your business now? The only way you get out of your business now is close it, find a new way of making money yep. or sell it to make money. Yeah. But uh, yeah, what does that have tough. to do with love and passion? Like, yeah, well, this is this is why I always say, you know, you'll hear all these extremely people that already have success. You'll you'll see this comment that they make publicly of, you know, you got to have a passion for what you're doing. Well, if I have a billion dollars, I'm super passionate about trash if that's where I made my money. Who's really passionate about picking up trash? But if I became a billionaire off of it, of course I'm going to be passionate about it. I'm passionate after the fact. So it's kind of a trap guys fall into when they listen to a podcast or they listen to a billionaire or a hundred millionaire talk about how much they love something. They can't come out and tell you I'm smarter than you. That's how I made a hundred million dollars. So they fall back on this word of passion or love what you're doing. You'll never work a day in your life. Let me tell you something, man, the, the most billionaires have been made in their most boring ways. I've shared this with you. Mo I, I know there's this guy that, 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 uh, rents out or sells private jets. And his whole thing is, dude, guys on private jets do the most boring shit in business that you would ever imagine. Like a, they pick up everybody's trash in a 12 state area. And magically now they got a private jet. That's the nicest one in the world. That guy's not passionate about trash. He's passionate about the money he made off of trash. And he can't go back and say, yeah, I was smarter than everybody else. I saw something no one else saw and I'm, I'm better than everybody. So they use this word passion or they use this word. I loved what I was doing. I love VR and I love hyperclean. Let me tell you, man, it's a job. And there's times that your phone rings that you look at your phone and you go, shit, I got to pick up this call. Anybody that tells you that doesn't happen is just not really telling the truth. And that's why I despise the word passion. I despise the word love what you're doing. Because again, I love what I'm doing. But that doesn't mean that it doesn't come with headache and trials and big decisions and small decisions and big headaches and small headaches. That's the real story nobody wants to tell. They want to hide under, if you love what you're doing, you'll never work a day in your life. Then why has everybody got to get paid to work? If you love it so much, you don't have to get paid then. They have to pay you to do something because it's not that fun to do at some level, right? And this is the conversation so many guys fall into because of the content era we're in, you have all of these really rich people saying love and passion. Think of it from their angle. What other word could they say to you and come across and relate to you? They, they can't, that, that it's just a goofy thing that they can't, they can't really tell you how the eggs are made because how would they keep driving their content? Right. They wouldn't be able to relate to, to the average guy or the average gal out there. And so you can absolutely love what you do. I love what we're doing at HyperClean. There are times that you and I have to be on the phone that I go, Marty, damn you it, Marshall, what the I, hell you, you do? <laughs> you and I don't want to be on this phone call, right? <laughs> like, 
that's just a part of it. And, and I think the unrealistic expectation guys have, and that's why it's an interesting question. I'm glad it's in the group. And I want to say this, I'm really proud about the things that get brought up in that group. You know, I, the guys oh, yeah. that brought up these different topics we discussed today is Absolutely. it's awesome, man. Like yeah. that's, that's a community. That pe- yeah. It's great that people are having these conversations, but my perspective on it, you know, may be different than yours listening. And I, I think mine's just more of a been doing this a while. Let me tell you how I see it working uh, type of conversation. And again, doesn't mean that I'm a hundred percent right. It's just mm-hmm. how I see things. Well, one way to overall answer it for as people, as they start to think about it themselves is to find out your purpose. Then it's a big reason why we use that word, right? Like if your purpose is always headed in the direction that you want it to go, you're going to find some happiness. You're going to find some joys in what you do. And overall the headaches are always going to outweigh I'm sorry, the, the, the pluses and minuses are always going to outweigh the headaches. Yep. Yeah. It's like, a great way of looking at it. So that's, 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 honestly, that's the simplest piece of advice and the right piece of advice is, I mean, the headaches at HyperClean, the headaches at VR, they don't outweigh all the good stuff. You know, working with team members, working on projects with HyperClean, working on products, it doesn't outweigh that. Um, but that doesn't mean that, you know, it's always, you know, rainbows and sunshine. You know, it's just, that's just not going to happen. And that, when you have that hobby mentality and you start to hit some roadblocks, I think those are the guys that largely end up quitting is because they're like, well, this isn't fun anymore. Well, dude, it was never meant to be fun a hundred percent of the time. Yeah. And I think this is also, and let's close on this. And this is also a key conversation for people that are part-timers, right? I, I have a full-time job. I just like to clean some cars for whether it's they enjoy doing it or they actually enjoy the extra couple thousand dollars a month that they make off of it. And it's a key part of it, but they just don't want to jump into it full time. It that you guys definitely hear this too and go, Hey, relax with what you're doing. If you got a full-time gig and you are happy, you enjoy cleaning a couple of cars on the weekend. You don't really want the, stress and the burdens and everything that goes into you being your own guy and running it all yourself and you can't rely, right? What is it then, right? So don't worry about it from a hobby aspect. Maybe it's for you as a, hey, just enjoy your time right there. You know, just clean your couple cars and enjoy what you can is is a great way of thinking about it. So Nick, great conversation, man. And uh, everybody will continue it inside the specialist group, I'm sure. So have a great week. Great week, brother. Thank you, man. Hey, this is Marshall, and thanks so much for listening to this episode, and I want you to be my special guest inside of the specialist group. Those of you that are listening, and I talk to you, a lot of you will send me a message, and thanks so much, and then I'll, hey, are you inside the specialist group? And there's some of you that aren't, so come. Come be a part. This is what we view as a Facebook group for community. This is a hyperclean specialist group. doesn't have a lot of BS. It's about how you can enjoy and how your customers can enjoy their car life. It goes both ways. For those of you that just enjoy your car life for yourself or those of you that want to help others enjoy their car life, come be a part. It's a HyperClean specialist group on Facebook. This is Marshall, and I hope you make it a great day.